Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. Today I've had another request from lovely Ria, who is one of the members, and she's asked me to look at a particularly difficult reading. And I thought it was useful for everybody to see this one because it's actually from book seven. And you can really notice a clear difference in quality of reading texts as we go up to, what are we now, book 15, I think, from the Cambridge tests. I tend to avoid the earlier ones. Anything after book, I don't know, nine or ten, the tests are much better written. I know this seems hard to believe, but when, like me, you've been reading IELTS tests for 20 years, you can see a real progress in how well they are written. So if you're finding the earlier tests particularly difficult or annoying or more annoying than usual, um, just be reassured that it's not you, it's them. Um, and I'm going to point out these things to you today as I go through this reading. Um, it's called The Effects of Noise. And, it well, it's all about the effects of noise. And it's very academic in terms of the way it's written. It's written very much like what you will do at university. It's a research, piece of research, um, based on certain theories of noise and how we are disrupted by noise. There are about five um, references to research, which is exactly what you would do when you're writing your research. And there's a conclusion um, about the research. So it's it's very well written in terms of the text. And there's lots here when I say, you know, how you can mine these reading texts for help with your writing. There is so much of that here. For example, today in the Members Academy, we're doing hedging. And people think I'm crazy when I talk about hedging and how important it is and here we go. Here's the first line. Listen to this. It says, in general, it is plausible to suppose that we should prefer peace and quiet to noise. Now, think about how you might say that. You might say that like most people prefer peace and quiet to noise. The problem with that kind of generalization, most people prefer peace and quiet to noise, is that you don't have any evidence for it. It's, it's your opinion in a way. You think possibly most people prefer peace and quiet. Maybe it's not true. Maybe most people prefer listening to music while they work. How do you know? So, you have to hedge, and, and this is hedging language. It says, in general, so that kind of tells you, all right, not always. It is plausible to suppose, you know, it's saying, you know, you would expect maybe we could guess. It's very, very careful, and this is something you need to, uh, this style is something, and a style you need to adopt in your own academic writing. And there's more. It goes on to say, 
most of us, okay, they say most of us, but in this case, I think it's acceptable. They don't say everybody. Most of us have had the experience of having to adjust to sleeping in the mountains or the countryside because it was initially too quiet, an experience that suggests, again, not 100% true, suggests that humans are capable of adapting. Not that all humans can adapt, but it suggests that humans are capable of adapting to a wide range of noise levels. So that is the premise of the article, uh, this idea that we can adapt to noise. And then what's next? It's a peel paragraph. Then comes the evidence. It says research supports this view and the reference word research supports this view. Example, for example, class, glass and singer. And they, they are the researchers. So I've talked about using research articles in your task two before. Don't. Don't invent them. All you need to do is say research or evidence suggests. That's all. You don't have this research at your fingertips in the exam. You don't have dates. When you're doing academic research, you do. You have the books and the data to include, and you must, but not in task two. So um, this says that Glass and Singer, these two people, capital letters, so they're easy to find, um, did these tests and they exposed people to uh, short bursts of very loud noise and then measured how well they reacted when they're working out problems and their physiological reactions. And it's quite an interesting experiment because at first the noise was disruptive. It did interrupt them. It did disturb them. But after four minutes, they just got used to it. They carried on um, and they weren't affected by it. Um, a key word here, they mention it a few times and it's useful for this kind of research topic Keyword is a control subject. So whenever you're testing something, you have to have a control subject or a control experiment to see whether the effects are only on the people who were given the noise or was it just the same for everybody and therefore the noise was not important. So as he says, by the end, they did just as well as the control subjects. There was no difference between them. Um, then it goes into different types of tests and different researchers. So we'll go through that as we go through the questions. So now you've got an idea about the background. Let's look at 27. 27, the writer suggests that people may have difficulty sleeping in the mountains. Now, I always say that the answers are clear in the text. There are usually synonyms. There are times when you have to read between the lines, but again, that will be very clear and obvious to you. In this one, however, it's my first example of what is a badly written question. 
So you're looking for what does the read the writer suggest? And you've got four choices, so multiple choice. Hmm, where to start? Okay, so A, humans do not prefer peace and quiet to noise. There's no mention, well, of course, the first line says about prefer peace and quiet to noise. It's almost like the words are too similar. Now, normally that is a trick. It's a sign of a trick. In this one, throughout the questions and the text, the words are too similar. It's not like a modern day IELTS test, in my opinion. So we can cross out A because it does not say humans do not prefer peace and quiet to noise. But actually that hedging language we talked about really kind of hides the fact that that answer is wrong. And this is why it's important for you to recognize hedging because now you can dismiss that answer as being wrong. B, they may be exposed to short bursts of very strange sounds. Well, the, again, the language is too similar. It says exposed people to short bursts of very loud noise. But there's no word about strange sounds, so it's not B. C is completely off the scale. Humans prefer to hear a certain amount of noise while they sleep. Well, there's no mention of that. So it leaves us only with D. They may have adapted to a higher noise level in the city. That is the answer. But I do not blame you if you could not see this answer. I checked the answers and I went back to the text and I thought, why? Is that the answer? And it's only because you have to read so much between the lines. You have to assume that people who find it difficult to sleep in the countryside is because they are used to living in places which are noisy. So if you couldn't get that, please, it's not your problem. In 28, it says, in noise experiments, Glass and Singer found that. So, what did they find? We've already been through this paragraph. So, A, problem solving is much easier under quiet conditions. Well, we said no. The result was that there was no difference. So, it's not A. B, Physiological arousal prevents the ability to work. They talk about physiological arousal. They say it declined quickly, so it does not prevent the ability to work. C. Bursts of noise do not seriously disrupt problem solving in the long term. And that is it. They said at first, it was disruptive, but at, by the end, um, there was no difference in how these two groups performed. So that is the answer, C. And then D, again, the question is just too similar to the text. D says, the physiological arousal of control subjects 
declined quickly. That's exactly what it says in the text. So it's just too obvious that it's wrong. It's, it's a badly written question again. 29. Researchers discovered that high noise levels are not likely to interfere with what? So notice the hedging, not likely to interfere. Um, so what does it say in the text? It says there are limits to adaptation and loud noise becomes more troublesome if the person is required to concentrate on more than one task. So, here are the options. The high noise levels are not likely to interfere with A, successful performance of a single task. And that is it. That is your answer. Because when they had more than one task, then the disruption became more troublesome. So, A is the answer. Um, B is a trick, it says, the tasks of pilots or air traffic controllers. Um, that is mentioned. It just says that's what they have to do. C, the ability to repeat numbers while tracking moving lines. Again, that is mentioned almost word for word. Um, and it says it did interfere with their ability to do this. So that's wrong. And then D again, ability to monitor three dials at once. This is mentioned in relation to the pilots and air traffic controllers, but it is not um, mentioned um, that, that, it, that the noise will not interfere with them. So the only thing it will not interfere with is the successful performance of a single task. So those are the multiple choice questions. Now, another sign of, I think, an old-fashioned uh, kind of reading exercise is that it's a gap-fill summary. And there are two things I notice. First of all, the density of the text. It's not usually this bad. Usually there's, a, a well, a kind of workflow or a short paragraph, a short summary. This seems to me quite long. Also, they say you can use any letter more than once. Now, I've never seen this. I'm, I might be wrong, but I know you can in matching headings, for example. I mean, matching information in paragraphs. But I've never seen this in a gap fill where they give you the answers and the same answer could be used twice. So I think they just don't use this type of question anymore in, in, in this way. So um, the first, there are five gaps and the first one is question 30 and it kind of goes back to what we've already looked at. Glass and Singer showed that situations in which there is intense noise have less effect on performance than circumstances in which something noise occurs. So 
You're looking for an adjective to describe noise which actually does interfere with people's work. And this is in paragraph three and where they move on to the topic of predictability. That's in the topic sentence of paragraph three. It says, probably the most significant finding from research on noise is that its predictability is more important than how loud it is. So this word predictability means you the kind of noise you can expect. If it's expected, it's predictable, then that doesn't affect you. But it's these short, unexpected, unpredictable intrusions which cause the problem. You could guess that, couldn't you? So this is the answer for 30. Um, the answer is unexpected noise. And that has much more effect than intense noise. So it's unexpected which causes the problem. It then almost word for word, I've underlined word for word the paragraph and the question, the summary. It's almost exactly the same. It says, subjects were divided into groups. Some heard loud bursts, others heard soft. For some, the noise was predictable, while for others, it was random. Even the word random is exactly the same. All groups were exposed to, and the next gap is another adjective for noise. So you're looking for the kind of noise that all of them were exposed to. And you look at the two groups, and all it says is that they heard the same amount of noise. So all groups were exposed to the same amount of noise. It's the only one which fits there. It's not intense because remember, some people heard soft noise. So it's the only one that can fit there. Um, and it's not unexpected because as we know, some heard predictable noise, some heard unpredictable. Next one, 32, the predictable noise group, blank, the unpredictable noise group on this task. So it has to be a verb there. That's the only way. And it must be a comparison. So you've got the predictable noise group and the options are they performed better or performed at the same level or showed more irritation or made more mistakes. So there are four comparisons that could fit there. And again, you're just looking for the synonyms. And what does it say? Um, hang on, turn over. Okay, so it says, subjects reported finding predictable and unpredictable noise equally annoying. So it's not they showed more irritation. Um, there is no mention of making mistakes, so it's not I. So all we're looking for is they performed better than or performed at the same level. And 
what it says is um I can't find it. Hang on, hang on. What does it say now? Uh, all subjects performed at about the same level. Sorry, that's it. It's, it's exactly the same words. Um, so the answer is F. So in that same sentence, subjects reported finding the predictable and unpredictable noise equally annoying. So that's the same. And all subjects performed at about the same level. So that is the answer. Simple. It's It's... It's written in black and white for you. No synonyms, no reading between the lines. The next one, the second part of the experiment, the four groups were given a proofreading task to complete under conditions of no noise. And again, I'm underlining no noise. They were required to check written material for errors. The group which had been exposed to unpredictable noise, then again, we're looking for a comparison. You've got the same comparisons. They performed better or they made more mistakes. And what does it say? The unpredictable noise produced more errors than predictable noise. So... Um, um, and then it says soft, unpredictable noise actually produced slightly more errors on this task. So soft, unpredictable noise produced more errors than loud, predictable noise. So that gives us the answer. I made more mistakes. It's a simple comparison. Final gap is the group which had been exposed to loud, predictable noise performed better than those who had heard soft and predictable bursts. The results suggest that something noise produces fatigue, mean tiredness, but that this manifests itself later. So this is this one line paragraph where it says apparently unpredictable noise produces more fatigue than predictable noise. That's exactly the same. But it takes a while for this fatigue to take its toll on performance. So that means that this unexpected noise has an effect, manifests itself later. So the adjective here is B and it is used for the second time. It was used in 30 and 34. So I find that very odd, to be honest. I think it's another example of uh, old-fashioned, maybe not very well-written test. Finally, we come on to questions 35 to 40. And this is where you match the researchers with the sentences. You can use any letter more than once. That's normal because sometimes the researcher has made two uh, claims and that's normal. So again, going in order of the text, the first statement is um, subjects exposed to noise find it difficult at first to concentrate on problem-solving tasks. Well, we had that straight away in the first paragraph. It literally says, at first, 
and it is Glass and Singer, which is A. So you can do that one very quickly. Next one, long-term exposure to noise can produce changes in behaviour which can still be observed a year later. So this is the second half of the text where they, they studied children who lived or were at school near a very busy airport. So it's a, a different kind of uh, test. And what they found was um, near Los Angeles airport, students who attended schools, it was found that children from noisy schools had higher blood pressure, were more easily distracted. Um, and the longer they attended the noisy schools, the more distractible they came. The effects were long lasting and a follow-up study showed children were moved to quiet classrooms one year later were still affected. They were still more easily distracted. And that is Cohen et al. Very clearly, no problem. 37. The problems associated with exposure to noise do not arise if the subject knows they can make it stop. So again, this is the last paragraph and it's all about how you can uh, control. If you've got control over the noise, then you don't mind it so much. Um, and it says that in the last but one paragraph, um, predictability is not the only variable. Another is control. If the individual knows he or she can control the noise, this seems to eliminate its negative effects. And this again is glass and singer. And very clearly, no doubt about it. 38 talks about exposure to high pitch, pitched noise results in more errors than exposure to low pitched noise. Now, you might think, hang on a minute, I haven't seen anything about high pitched and low pitched noise. And, and you're right. That gives you the answer E, none of the above. It is simply not mentioned. 39, we'll go back to the start where it talked about three things. The number three was easy to find. Subjects find it difficult to perform three tasks at the same time when exposed to noise. And it's that three dials that they talked about in paragraph two. So you just literally go to the number three. Who said it? Broadbent, 1957. Quite easy to spot, we, even without reading. Honestly, this is a sign of a bad test that you can guess it without reading. Finally, question 40, noise affects a subject's capacity to repeat numbers while carrying out another task. So you look, same paragraph, paragraph two, it says repeat numbers. You don't have to understand anything. You just look at the name, Finkelman and Glass. It's right next to repeat numbers. And the answer there is C. You honestly, for those last three, you did not need to read or understand anything, which is kind of a sign again of a not very well written test.
So I hope that has given you an insight into the older, earlier tests. I honestly, I don't recommend using them. Um, the recent ones, yes, without a doubt. They're very cleverly written. I'm sure Pauline Cullen had something to do with that. Um, very well written and they require, they are a real test of your reading knowledge. These ones, not so much. So if you're going to focus your time and you, your time is limited, do use that time on, on the recent tests without a doubt. Okay, thanks for listening, guys. If you do have any requests, I will happily do them. Um, sorry, I'm a bit slow these days because I'm doing these boot camps, which take up so much time. And anyway, they will be finished soon. Next week's the last, last week of boot camp. And uh, there'll be another new one starting in July. So thanks for watching, listening, and let me know if you've got any questions. Chat soon. Bye-bye.